Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Is It Just Me with me, James Williams. And me, Joe Elvin. Hello. Hello. Here we are again, Joe. I know, we're in a kitchen. Yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar, please tell me you are. You're listening every week, we know you are, we love hearing from you. Uh, basically, we're just here to sort of chew the fat and set the world to why. And as always, we're joined by an illustrious guest. This week we're joined by an old friend of ours, I'd say, Joe. Absolutely. Uh, Ex-glamour family. Absolutely. Uh, Writer, author, broadcaster extraordinaire, the lovely Miranda Sawyer. Hello. Hi. Here you are in my kitchen. I feel slightly vulnerable. Thank you for having us in your kitchen. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I love it because it's so close to home. Literally, this is like a 10 minute walk for me, Miranda. So you're already my favourite guest ever. It's South London posse, isn't it? (laughs) I had to get an Uber. Pray for Joe. I was so pleased because I'm wearing um, black and white gingham trousers and he he was wearing a black and white gingham shirt. Oh, and I got in and went, oh, wow, gingham twins. On the day we're recording this, Meghan Markle is coming to Brixton. We could just walk down the road, couldn't we? Couldn't Become we? a royal friend. It's not <laughs> far. I saw someone on Gogglebox really slagging her off for... for what, being talk, too nice? For being confident yeah. and outspoken. And, you know, and then I think of the times that I get so disappointed that our princess Kate barely ever speaks yeah it's so true. what do you want people but it's that you know, funny British thing isn't it whereby you know there's a very fine line between being confident and then being a bit full of yourself there's a legacy from Princess Diana so the reason why people like Princess Diana at the beginning was because she was modest and shy do you remember that you know that awful shot of with her with a terrible long slightly durandil skirt and yeah. the light through her legs so she was innocently pretty like supposedly she didn't know how good how good looking she was although yeah. of course she did because how would you not know? That's how we officially want our want our princesses to be. So you know, it's a really old kind of trope, isn't it? About fe- that, that you're really beautiful, but you don't know it. Absolutely. You see, right yeah. the way through all the terrible films that my daughter likes, you know, you have to be gorgeous, but like kind of, you know, naturally unaware. gorgeous, yeah. unaware. Yeah. You know? Whereas I just think that's a load, whole load of rubbish. So if you get somebody like Meghan Markle, who is obviously, I mean, you know, she is naturally gorgeous. She just chooses to make the most of herself. As Donald Trump might say, she's a total 10. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a, yeah. So she is a total yeah. 10, but she chooses to present herself in a polished, confident, 
pulled together manner. And we're a bit like, ooh, she's a bit full of herself well, because she actually bosses. She's got mm. that American poise and confidence that I would love to bottle. Yeah. I love that they are unapolog- unapologetically confident. Yeah, yeah, I think she's great. Yeah. Fine, well, yeah, I've got no problem with it at all. See, I, I, I love her. I love them both. You know, And I'm not the biggest royalist in the world, but I have to say I love her and Harry together because I actually think what I love about them is they're quite unguarded. You, They genuinely seem like they're not... Uh, you, it always and they crit- certainly seem like they're shagging, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, certainly, there's a, yes. there's a little frisson more when than a little not, one. I don't think they're waiting till the, the wedding night. No. When they're not roasting a chicken. Yeah. Like, roast chicken, shag. Yes. <laughs> chicken, shag. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. a terrible dancing to hip-hop and then back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, but yes, no. they're, anyway, they're visiting Represent, which is... Uh, a youth uh, radio station down the road from here, which I've actually written about. It's a really brilliant uh, station who take... They take people like... Essentially, they take kind of any young person really over the age of 16. They kind of work with some people who are younger and then they train them and you can be like a like a gopher or you can be trained in production or you can be trained as a... As a, as a DJ, I suppose. You don't want to say DJ, but anyway, presenter. But all the people that they have on there are really good. And one of the reasons why they're really good is because they're so young, they're really in contact with music. So, yeah. you know, obviously, I mean, I'm still interested in music. I'm ancient, but I'm still interested in music. But it's, they're so hot on music that they're way ahead of, like, Radio 1 mm. they, because they're just out all the time. Yeah. And they bring stuff in, and they're, they're literally kind of ripping MP3s rather than, or probably MP4s now, but, like, not... You know, it's not even stuff that's out. Mm. So they're really, really good. And the fact that she's bringing him there is really good. And also that, is that awesome. she yeah. kind of legitimises him going in there, essentially, because she's of dual heritage. You know, yeah. so it always seems yeah. a bit weird when you have kind of like, you know, really posh white guy going in to represent. You know, I mean, it's fine because it raises a profile, but it does seem a bit weird. But because she's of um, dual heritage, it kind of gives him the legitimacy yeah. to go in, really. I well, also, and I also think it's great that you know, and the, the thing she said was when she took on the official role, wasn't it? She wanted to, to sort of support those smaller organisations. Yeah. So I do think it's a really great move, and it's great to see. And yeah, it's guess, and it's a really good radio station. If yeah, you must will, will you be going down there and fangirling later? <laughs> I don't know. Can you imagine yeah. Yeah, me at the back waving my yeah. mobile phone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, Megan. Megan, your little Union Jack plastic topper on. Perhaps not. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I think you should have come in for yeah. coffee. We got a lovely cup of coffee, Moran. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. with our special coffee maker. Yes, anyway, so let's talk about you, you Robin. I did my amazing coffee. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on with you? Now I know you had an excellent book out last year. I did. Out of time. I did. That I was about. People kind of, are still talking about. Yes, it's about middle age. That's because I've milked it for a long time. That's yeah, one should. Well, I mean, you know, there's you a know, lot of work that goes into a book. It's hard oh out there for authors. Yeah. How do you do it? See, I wish I, yeah. I haven't got the discipline to write a book, but it's I wish really I did. It's really hard. Well, that one actually took a really long time because essentially it was. It's about middle age and how you deal with it, really. Um, especially if you're of a particular generation, because everyone is of a particular generation, aren't they? And if you like were young in the 90s, and you had a kind of almost like an expectation that middle age would never hit you, which I think is pretty standard, but also there was a the way belief all, in youth culture, wasn't there? That's the thing, the way all the youth were carrying on in the 90s, I think it was a fair bet that nobody yeah, would yeah, make it to yeah, the <laughs> Quite a lot of people didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also there was an idea which did work, I'm so sorry about the dog scratching. Really, you know, she never normally does. Just as long as everyone knows it is the dog. The, yeah, it's not, us. It's not the, yeah. the gingham trousers yeah. playing up. Yeah. The, um, so the, uh, with the, the youth culture in the 90s, I think what was interesting about it was if you think about all those kind of alternative people like Jarvis Cocker or even Kate Moss or Liam Gallagher or Irving Welsh, all those kind of people really were normally, they would have had a bit of fame, but they would have been on, on the alternative side of culture, wouldn't they? Yeah. And they were just for some reason in the 90s all that stuff got completely legitimised and became absolutely central to all our culture so it was like your mates 
yeah. you know, but suddenly were being welcomed by Tony Blair into number 10. And you were like, oh my God, we won. All the people we like that are really good are succeeding. So you felt like there was a huge kind of uh, push towards a culture that you enjoyed and that could work, you know, whether it was music or clubbing or art or fashion or all those things, you know, Damien Hurst, people like that. Yeah. And you thought, right, we, this is it. We've kind of swept aside the establishment. Everything's going to be all right. Hurrah, hurrah. And then A, the establishment never lets you sweep them aside. And B, the internet happened. So <laughs> <laughs> everything went a bit wrong. Because oh. you thought you thought you're going to be able to make a career in all these different kinds of culture. And of course, the internet just changed all that in terms of monetization. So, and you get older. So, you know, if you are somebody who was, say, a comedian in the 90s, that's a really great... I mean, it was a really great time to be a comedian in the 90s, wasn't it? It was incredibly popular. It was really successful. And everybody felt like a maverick. And yeah, it was yeah, great, great, great. Yeah. But obviously, it's a little bit harder if you're in your 40s and you've got a family. You've got to kind of drive up and down the M1 at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night in order to earn, like, 300 quid. Mm. It's quite hard. Yeah. So, A, you know, obviously all those you know part of me was having a big problem with the idea of the things that I thought was going to be really great and support me through the rest of my life and I really enjoyed um becomes trickier when you get older it's yeah. harder to be freelance when you're older because you shouldn't think oh my god I've got kids yeah. I have to feed them <laughs> <laughs> this is appalling and like you know I have to pay the mortgage and that kind of freelance life and is quite difficult it isn't um unique to middle age though is it that the you know, the economy is just being revolutionised at the moment. Yeah. And everybody, there, there, there used to be this linear sort of projection of like, you know, if I start out here and I work very hard, yeah. everything will kind of work out. Yeah. And that's all being thrown up in the air. Well, yeah. And, and also, I think for young yeah. people as well. The way yeah. people work as well, you know, the idea that you'd be in a job or a vocation for life. People now yeah. have several different jobs and vocations and side hustles and, you know, just yeah. the whole way we work is changing. Yeah, completely. And also there was some, this weird research I did for the, uh, for the, um, book part of it you know it's interesting now I'm, I'm 50 now and you actually I'm 51 I was 51 the other day sorry oh, happy, happy birthday, happy birthday. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that yeah. but anyway so I'm in my 50s but there's a point so what used to happen was that we, you would work very hard and then you'd hit 50 and you would be made redundant and it was pretty standard wow. actually for a lot of people yeah it's quite tricky Got but chills. what what used to happen <laughs> but what used to happen was that if you were um working class Quite often you were made redundant because you were working in a physical job and it wasn't good for yeah. you anymore. So you would go on the sick, right? So you'd get some kind of benefits that would that would pay you, right? And if you were middle class, you would have pensions and kind of schemes that would support you. So if you were sacked, you would then, you know, live off that. But of course, nobody has that anymore. Yeah. There are no benefits like that. Nobody has a pension like that unless they were already minted anyway. So that kind of weird you know, work, 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 and then mm, retirement for the rest of my life doesn't exist. So you exactly. just don't have to keep on yeah. working. And part of me is like, cheers, I'd rather. I don't want to just, you know... Sit around do nothing. No, I don't. But really. there comes a point in where you're thinking, well, what will I do when I'm 60? Mm. You know? Yeah, well, the difficulty is, I think it's, yeah. it's weird if you're a writer because you think, okay, well, writing, you know, essentially you're just sitting on your bum and having ideas, aren't you? So it's not too physical. Yeah. But you kind of think, well, will anybody want my ideas? Are my well, they'll ideas want your ideas. But, no, they'll want your ideas, but I think for some reason the currency for journalism and writing is becoming cheaper and cheaper. Mm. Yeah. And okay. I don't know if that will change, 
going forward. Yeah. But what conclusions did you come... Did you feel like the book was sort of therapy for you? Or? A bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think all writing's a bit of therapy, really. Mm. You know, because if you're interested in something and you're trying to get to grips probably, with it, there's something... Probably about... not my 800 words for the Daily Mail on wearing ultraviolet. I didn't think that... I'm not sure <laughs> if that's particularly therapeutic, but, you know, it's therapeutic. Will you wear ultraviolet again? again? I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I enjoy my time. Yeah. See, there's some kind yeah. of therapy in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really, because I was trying to work it... You know, the problem was I was having a midlife crisis but I didn't have time to have a midlife crisis because who has time to have a midlife crisis, you know? So I was having in the middle. Yeah. yeah. My kids yeah. were little. I was like in the middle of the night trying to work out what I was going to do. Plus, you know, everyone else who was having a midlife crisis, I looked at all these books and they were all written by men and what they all seemed to do was, you know, go off on a big trip. So off they went, you know, flooring themselves. In their sports cars. Yeah, yeah. and the sports yeah. car on a bike. There's yeah. a lot of bike. Um, and, or, or, you know, or the younger woman. Yes, yeah. or the younger woman. Yeah. Or, they yeah. would, or they would go and explore themselves by doing yoga or this and the other. And I remember saying to my husband, you know, if I write this book, would be all right if I kind of like, you know, use this midlife crisis to go out and kind of discover myself by meeting, you know, important, you know, in, you know clever people who know more than me. And he went, that's absolutely fine if you take the kids. <laughs> so that's just not happening do you know what I mean I'm not you know just looking this kind of one year old sorry about this that reminds me years ago I joked that I we've only had one child but I said we were talking about maybe having a second I said as a joke I said well I'll tell you what if I if I have a second one I'm definitely getting a boob job after that and he oh his only response was if you think you're getting a few nights away in hospital when I've got two kids <laughs> Also, I love the idea that recovering from major surgery is yeah. still like considered yeah. a holiday rather yeah. <laughs> than being at home with two kids. Totally, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I went off, didn't I? But I think the other thing was basically when I was doing this book, it took me ages because I was having kids and having a bloody midlife crisis. And then the other, the other side of it, it did help mostly because that most journalism, if you're writing about stuff, you don't know about it. So you think, oh, well, I'll go and ask this person who knows more than me or this person that knows more than me. And so by the end of it, you think, oh, now I understand a little bit more why I might be feeling like that. And and one of the things that I did come away with is some of the feelings that I had around midlife are kind of not my fault. So, you know, I live in London. I live in a flat. Here here is our flat. It's a nice flat. It's a big flat. No garden. I had this huge crisis about no garden. No garden. I'm letting my kids down. Did you feel like that was a, like a, a, a status hallmark sort of a thing? Yeah, that yeah. I failed. And that there was no way we could get a garden unless we moved right out of London, which I didn't want to do. And I became obsessed with, um, you know, there's all these bloody property programs, Grand Designs, you know, the ones with big glass boxes. I can't boxes watch Grand Designs. It's yeah. like, you know, they say that... Um, it makes you feel ill. Well, yeah. for years I was criticised for, you know, oh, skinny models make people feel terrible. It's property yeah. shows and property mags that make yeah. me feel terrible. Yeah, and we've had so, decades yeah. of them now. Yeah. Like yeah. decades and decades with, you know, Kirsty and Phil all the way through. So yeah. it's a kind of gnawing in your stomach that your, your house is terrible. You have failed! <laughs> yes, exactly. You have failed, you, your house is rubbish. You gardenless loser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. I'm garden house free bastard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You yeah. don't have an actual house. Yeah. So, but then I kind of like I came out the other side and I thought, okay, this is pretty much not your fault. You know, you live in an economy that for some reason has made house prices rise like nobody ever expected. So, and you, that's not my fault. I didn't even no. vote for the bloody Tories. I didn't vote for. Any, I've never voted Tory in my life, so it's not my fault. So there are some things that you can't do anything about. You know, mm. and. You just have to kind of work out 
what you can do stuff about and what you can't do stuff about and what you really want to do and what you don't. So you might, you know, one of the things that's very standard in the 40s and 50s that people go, I must run a triathlon or I must run a bloody marathon or whatever. No. no. <laughs> so what you have to work out is, those do you want to run a marathon or do you want to have run a marathon? I don't want to do either of those things. Okay. But if you, I mean, essentially most people want to have run a marathon. Say you've done it. Because if you want to run a marathon. The analogy is not working on me. But but if you, if you want to run a marathon, you have to get up every day at six and and do the stuff. Put the Do put the hours in or you're going to die. Yeah. So that, is that really what you want to do? Because if you break it down, that's what you want to do. It's a bit like, you know, I mean. I know what this is. This is my writing a book. I don't want to write a book. I want to have written a book. book. But it's a bucket list thing, isn't it? It's the same thing. Well, it's also, it's, yeah, it's what you can be asked to do. Yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. a bit weird, but if you can be asked to do something, then that's great. And if you can't, fine. Yeah. You know, I can't be asked to run a marathon. It just, you know, it's not going to make me feel amazing. I, I run, I have run. I sometimes run now. And I run very, very, very slowly. I mean, I have been laughed at by teenagers. You know, <laughs> it's fine. I run but, very slowly and I'm not going to run a bloody marathon. I think you're right about choices, though. Because, like, you know, sometimes we all have that thing. You've ever sort of, like, whinged to your other half or friends. Yeah. Like, how can they afford that many holidays? Why yeah. can't we? And it's my husband always says to me, well, that's obviously what they've prioritised. Mm. Yeah. We prioritise yeah, other else. things. Yeah. So, and it's kind of that thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's to do with... Uh, it's to do with what you can accept and what you want, what you can change. Because yeah. everybody needs a bit of change in their life, or they're just sitting mm. in the in the sofa watching matches the day. Like, oh, you know. Yeah. I mean, you need a bit of change in your life, and you need to have a few aims. But actually, I think the problem is that when you hit, mid- hit midlife, there's a huge sense of I've done it all wrong. Mm. It's a really common feeling. It's like, oh my god, I should have been an artist. Oh my god, I should have been a lawyer. I should have married someone else. I should have done this, all this, in the other, all, in the other way. And you'd have to. And that's a really strong feeling, which is very understandable. But the instinct, once you have that, is to throw everything out. So that's why people run off with somebody else or, you know, get a sports car or, you know, launch a bloody website or something. I don't know. But they do something that's quite big because they feel like everything's wrong. And actually, if you unpick it and go right into the everyday living of your life, you find that not everything is wrong. Yeah. It's Mm. just your expectations around certain things aren't quite right or you haven't adjusted to the fact that you're actually a bit older mm. than you, you thought you were. And so once you've worked that out, then you can say, okay, well, what I'd really like to do is go to Los Angeles with the kids next Christmas, for yeah. instance. So how are we going to do that? That'll be really good fun. Let's try and make it really fun. Let's try and do it so it doesn't bankrupt us. How are we going to do that? And then you've got some, you know, it sounds really boring, but it's actually something you think, oh my God, this yeah. is just, it'll it's, be really good. It's such important mental health housekeeping. Yes. To, <laughs> yes, to, exactly. to think of it that way. I think. <laughs> it's, it, like, it's admin. You yeah. have to kind of adjust yeah. the admin in your head. Isn't it also about, I think, realising that there's not a one size fits all life plan? Yeah. You know, not everyone is going to have that life plan that's going to fit for everybody, work for everybody. And I think that's what it is, this thing about comparing yourself or literally having a mental checklist or thinking I'm a loser I haven't but done this by a certain age but we all have that age. that's the problem isn't it I mean I think the compare thing is really important but also because generally we have all those myths anyway which can went right when you're really really little and you know if you have kids you definitely know this it's like when when I get married or if I fall in love and and so there's, there's certain checklists you know I'm going to do this for a living I'm going to yes. you know I'm definitely going to have some kind of partner you know maybe I'll have kids maybe I'm going to live here so those are those checklists and then capitalism gives you a massive bloody checklist, which mm. included mine in my head, was a house with a big glass box on the back, which yeah. I fa- singularly failed to do and will not get. So, you know, you will be told all the way through your lives that there are ticks that you should have done that you haven't. Mm. And so you're automatically going to feel a bit weird about it. So you just have to think, OK, some of these things are just rubbish. 
But you know, and you know what it's like. Sometimes when you feel strong, you're like, yeah, sod your exactly. It's yeah. fine. And then sometimes when you feel a bit weak, you're like, oh my god, I really have failed. So do you sometimes refer to your book in those moments? You think I yeah. need to remind myself <laughs> yeah, of read to the back, the my, back my, three my, bits, my yeah. rational side yeah. of this. I, I really recommend it for anybody who needs that. Yeah, <laughs> towards that, the end, there's a few that things that reset. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a bit at the back where I think, okay, just write a few things down. And the things that you can do. And then it's about three. And let's just write three, three things Dear down Miranda. I can do. Yeah. <laughs> One is not run a marathon. There you go. That's it. So Very I can good definitely work to live, not run a marathon. No, yeah. I, no, I haven't got time for training. <laughs> Ross would make me take the child training. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. You've been yeah. lumping along. The child and the dog. Come on. It'd be great. It's going to be fab. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, marathon. This, it was funny. I spoke to this bloke at Men's Health. And he'd been working there for a bit and he said it is very interesting about triathlons and marathons because essentially when he started working at Men's Health, triathlons were for loonies. Like no one did a triathlon unless you were super mega fit and a bit bored and now everyone's doing them and that and tough mothers. Well isn't it mainly for men having a midlife crisis? There is that but it's also mad young people. well, we're, 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 loads we're, of women no, doing it. No, yeah. no, it's yeah. the mammals, middle-aged men in lycra. Yes, yeah, definitely. That's important. That's a definitely important midlife <laughs> subset. <laughs> I have to say. And may I just warn everybody that the peak time to have a heart attack, if you won't do that kind of thing, is forty-nine. Oh. While you're running a marathon, if you're a bloke. Oh, gosh. Forty-nine. So if I'm going to so do don't one, run I'm a marathon. Yeah. Don't run a marathon. <laughs> On that note. And yes. if you're doing yeah. a triathlon, it's when you're swimming. Don't do this. this don't do it. Gosh, you wow. know loads of good things. Yeah, good facts, huh? <laughs> I know, I'm great at this. I've got some really depressing things. I was going to say, on to some more morbid facts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but yeah, these are all my reasons for not running a marathon. Just don't bother. Well, I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about our three is it just me topic. Because I feel like <laughs> okay. we're going to really set the world to several rights now. Absolutely. Is it just me that thinks it's perfectly all right to tell people what you really think of them? Yes, it is. Although oh. I just told you about really yeah. She couldn't wait to tell me. Just you. Um, no, I don't like those people. No. Well, the people that say the truth all the time. Well, because the thing is, telling people what you really think, it's never... A, it's always... Do you know it's a, a negative thing? Oh, it's, very, it's very rare they say, can I just tell you, I really love you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, very rare, it's yeah. complimentary, I do agree with you. You know, yeah. when I was at um, Glamour, if the boss wanted to see me, it wasn't to say, just want to say, here's Everything's another... Everything's great. Great job. <laughs> yeah, it was always something yeah, terrible. Yeah, a bit yeah. <laughs> Feedback. Yeah. Feedback's never really positive, is yeah. it? It's don't always... Know. Yeah, it's always like, they don't know if you've heard our news and you're like, <laughs> our news. Like, not... Yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah. I've got the sack. I've, yeah, I've had that, that loads one. of times. Yeah. 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 But um, no, and it's, I don't know, it's the, it's the just being honest people. Yeah. Mm. I don't like those people. No, I agree, but I would like to argue for it, right? Oh, so yeah. I, I definitely, when you first think about this particular topic, you think of awful Big Brother contestants that you just going, you know, take me or leave me. And yeah, I'm like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> I just say what I think I, I do. I do what I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not, you know, yeah. you want, you know, you want to know what I think if you were here, you are. Yeah. And yeah, that's awful. Because what they're actually doing is, not telling you what they really think of you. They're just projecting their fear on you. So, you know, it's exactly the same as the kind of being jealous of people with a glass box on the back of their head. They're going, you have this, and it hits somewhere inside me, makes me feel really nervous. And I want to make you feel bad about it. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah. so you're making yeah. me feel bad, so I'm going to make you feel bad, yeah. right? So, that's rubbish. <laughs> we can just put, say that on the table, that's a terrible way it's to behave, and it's not right. very poor character. Yes, I don't like it at yeah. all. However, I do think there's a way that we all have to learn about telling people negotiating relationships in a truthful manner right and it's really hard and it's actually harder I think 
um, it's hard enough within a relationship. It's really hard with friends. Yeah. It's like... Totally. Impossible with friends. I find it really, really, really hard. But I'm trying to, as part of my midlife crisis, to negotiate around those things. So what you have to learn to say is... Basically, what you have to say to your friend if they're saying something or you feel like you're not getting your word in edgeways or whatever, you have to say, you have to work out a negotiation of saying something that's truthful to them that can then carry on the relationship or alter the relationship so it works better for you. Yeah. And the only way of doing that really is to sometimes call out what's happening. This is a bit easier with people that you don't know well, so it's easier in a kind of work situation. So if you have a situation where your boss says something like, so we were thinking of putting you on such and such and such and this and you can just say, okay, I need a bit of time to think about that. That's one thing. Or you can say, okay, this makes me, this is actually making, you can say something quite clear. Like you can say, okay, this is making me feel a bit unsure about things. So I'm just going to take take a time doing it. But what you can do essentially is say, this is making me feel like this right now. Yes. Mm. So I might have to step away for a bit and then come back. And if you, once you learn how to isolate your feelings, then you can work out why that, why they're making you feel like that and what can be done about it. Yeah. Mm. And that's, it's like the opposite of what the Big Brother contestants do because they just feel scared. So they go, fuck you, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. And if you can say, okay, this is making me feel scared. I feel really weird now. Why, why do I feel scared? So then you step away. I mean, as you get older, you actually learn to think, okay, you know quite quickly why it's making you feel weird. You can say, this is making me feel weird because of this, so I'm going to have to step out now. Because could you, could you apply that, though, in a personal situation? Cause my yeah. feeling is, if I, if it's I, really hard. <laughs> you can do it. But you, it's really, it's yeah. very therapy speech, okay, because all but I would, you can do I it. would think, you see, if I asked you something for some an honest question about yeah. myself, and you went, okay, I'm not sure I feel, I need some time to think about it. That would make me think, oh my God, it's something really bad. She's got to go no, away no, and no. think of a diplomatic way of no, telling me. No, but it wouldn't be like that because that's not, that's not quite the situation. It's right. more like that. the person is saying, well, you did this and da 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 and what about that? And you have to say, yeah, well, actually, it wasn't quite like that. And you, the way that this, is, this conversation is going is making me feel a bit upset. Oh, right, but yeah. do, you, do you want to hear from your favourite people in the world, the ways in which they find you annoying or... Well, sometimes I I think it can be useful because the problem is with the the older we get, the long, with long-term relationships that you need to know. Oh, I'm fine with that in a marriage. I'm thinking about my friends. friends, Sometimes, you know, if you say, if you're kind of like constantly, you know, going, I've bought a theatre ticket for you and your, you know, your friend, your friends, I fucking hate the theatre. Please, Mm. can we stop? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or we want, you know, we, we only ever do one thing or you only communicate in one way. But I would also say you're probably more likely to be your worst version of yourself with the people you know the best. You know, there's something about social constraints. If you don't know people that well, you put on a much better set of manners. You're not as honest. You're more of a filter. Whereas you're probably your most blunt or honest or a bit tactless with the people you know and love the the most. Yeah, I think that. But what I would also say is the people who you kind of not should be, but uh, your best, the people who are you are, you feel your best with, it's it's good to spend time with those people, right? Mm. So you can have friends and you used to feel like you're best with them and then actually it's not so good now. Yeah. And mm. maybe you just need to take a step out and maybe it'll come back. Or you find a new friend. But you need to have... You need to surround yourself with people where you feel good or actually you're going to get really down in the dumps and you're going to be stuck in a kind of rut of people. I'm not saying get cull all your friends because I think that's a bad idea because obviously some of the versions of you, a nice version of you will be an old version that they've known for a very long yeah. time. Yeah. But it's just, you know, you need to, if you're constantly in a, in a friendship or a relationship 
where all you're doing, for instance, is just sniping and saying, mm. well, moo and grumping and stuff. That isn't great. No. See, I'm probably not a very good grown-up with stuff like this. If, if, if the, the people in my life who I've suddenly realised, you know, you have those interactions with people and you come away you don't feel great and you don't mm. you can't really work out why and then you start to realize it's because they're sort of like they're knocking your confidence or yeah. they're draining your energy or they're sort of like really down all the time and it's something i kind of just tend to pull away yeah rather than say do you know what i'm going to tell you how you're making me feel no i it. completely agree yeah. and sometimes there's a nicer way of doing it you know yeah. I mean, you know who wants to be confronted with their faults every day <laughs> we've yeah. all got millions so i completely true. agree but i do think that the, sometimes that might have to happen. I mean, sometimes yeah. it might have to happen. You just say, you know what, you know, I mean, you know, there's a classic relationship always, I think, with mothers and daughters, you know, like my mum, I love my mum, but, you know, she has a tendency to phone at half past eight in the morning. That's not a busy time it. when you've got two children. No, 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 no. 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 So literally, you just have to say, I can't talk now. You can't phone me now. And then yeah. if you're, or, or if she says something, something and you just say, you know what, you're really panicking me now because you're just panicking me about stuff that doesn't matter. So can we talk about it in a different way? Yeah. You know, my mum, God love her, I love my mum, but she said, you know, I'll say something, it'll be anything to do with change. Like we're getting a dog, that's a classic, or somebody's moving in the family. And she goes, oh no. <laughs> oh my god no and I'm like it's a dog how can you be negative about getting a puppy so, oh my god so her, the work so her default setting is panic yeah panic and yeah. like you know and panic and kind of this is all going to go wrong I'm yeah. going it's a puppy yeah. look at the puppy the puppy really nice the puppy brings smiles does she ever get satisfaction saying I told you I told no, you no I don't I mean I pointed it out to her and she said yes sorry I think I'm not very good with change I'm going it's a puppy hold the puppy <laughs> But my other thing about this whole sort of honesty thing is I think I am also one of these people, and I don't mean this as a way of sort of copping out, but I either go very quiet, because mm-hmm. I, I basically don't lie, I don't like lying. So my options are either to tell you the truth or to not say anything. And also I have one of those, I have no poker face. So even if I don't say anything, my face will normally give me totally away or at least okay. make it very clear where I stand on what they're talking about. So... I always find I might as well tell the truth anyway because everyone kind of knows what I'm, what I'm thinking anyway. Because yeah, it's coming out of your eyes. Yeah, it's literally like I'm, like, I'm, I'm one of those terrible like, eye rollers and, I'm, and I know it winds people up and I try to contain it and control it but <laughs> I'm, I'm not aware I'm doing it but you know if somebody's saying something I'm like literally full of shit the eyes start rolling and I'm blissfully unaware of it and everyone's just laughing well, that's alright though so, I mean that's because that's mostly opinions most people are eye rolling is it, about opinions it's more to do with I, you know. I think we're slightly talking about two different things I think yeah. there's that your actual relationships that you have where I think that that's that's a healthy relationship if you can be honest with each other yeah. it's the people the transitory people in my life the peripheral people who say I mean I just think you look terrible today <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know, those, I, I'm just being honest just being honest yeah. you know that those people can yeah, you, well, you, 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 well, you don't yeah. give a shit about those people. That's the thing. No. It's but, like yeah. it's like everything. You only really care about the opinions of the people you care about. Yeah, I think horrible insults can stick. Yeah, and, and I think from. the problem. Well, no, is... I mean deep down, that's what you yeah. should think. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying we all yeah. feel that way, but we should really yeah. not listen to people. You there don't is an element also with social media where you learn to you you learn to feel that, don't you? So you learn to think. You know what? I'm not interested because there's so whatever you write. You know, you will get hate mail. I remember ages ago, at the beginning of <laughs> the Guardian, does this terrible thing where you know he opens all the comments at the bottom of whatever you write, you know, and it's just literally like, no, 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 we hate you. You're comment is free. Yeah, come here, thanks so yeah. much. Anyway, yeah. ages ago, I'm not particularly interested in cooking, and I wrote a, I wrote a feature about um, 
uh, Nando's for the Observer Food magazine. And I think they asked, they asked me to do it because obviously I was the only person within the Observer who ate Nando's. Yeah. And I was like, great, because I love Nando's. And I went out and I did this article and I was really happy with it. I worked really hard on it. And it was actually quite difficult because then Nando's PR was absolutely right. Yeah. And I had to go out and get all these things anyway. Anyway, I wrote this bloody piece on Nando's saying why I liked it. You know, got a picture of Chipmunk and like, you know, Talisa, you know, holding up their Nando's phone. Amazing. And the vitriol, I cannot tell you, it was page upon page upon page about how I must have been paid by the PR. They always think you're being paid by the oh, PR. Oh, I know. I wish, I wish Look, I was paid by any bloody PR. paper to fill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how they hated it. I mean, it was just hilarious. And I was, because it was early on in the comedy street, I took every, you know, every comment to heart. And then I thought, I'm like, literally on the fourth page. <laughs> I just thought, why am I reading it? Yeah. It's all noise. It's just, just like, remember that. It's just noise. Yeah. And just remember that Nando's made. is all right. Yeah. It's okay. If you've got kids, it's all right. Yeah. There's worse things than that. Nando's. Absolutely. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Is it just me who, as a grown adult lady woman, has, <laughs> has had like you know full-blown crushes on celebrities is that something that we need to outgrow when we've outgrown just 17 magazine or well i I, think i have a theory about this as a full-grown lady woman myself (laughs) um so my theory about this is i i was never actually one for crushes as a teenager i didn't really put posters up on my walls i didn't really cover my books or anything like that um which is why i think i ended up working in teen magazines because i actually didn't get into teen magazines because i literally wanted to meet people i actually just got into teen magazines i Wanted to be a journalist. Oh, well, so, I wanted to meet pop stars. Oh, see, I think, well, I think <laughs> yeah. in teen magazines you were divided into two people. Yeah. The, the fans who became journalists and then yeah. people who just wanted to become journalists. Anyway, that sounds really smug, but you know, do you know what I mean? But, anyway, but going back to not really being one for crushes as a teenager, but I think since the advent of things like Instagram, I think I'm now developing crushes because of Instagram. Because you follow people... God, you're so modern. I know, yeah, right? Yeah, no, yeah. It's with the kids. Him, yeah. It's right in the modern heart. Yeah. So it's true, because I, honestly, I do think, because I never used to be that way. Now, because you, I guess you get such a daily insight in certain people's lives, and I think 
you know, yeah. you can touch on it. It's not just, of course, it's a lot about how they look, of course. Yeah. Let's be really shy. Who are your Christians? Let's well, be very specific. But to be honest, it's not even like famous it's people. It's not even famous people. It can just be like, I think you go into, you go into Instagram for things like, you know, cooking inspiration or you go into fitness inspiration or you're just home interiors yeah. porn, all that kind of stuff. So it's about really, yeah, of course, what they look like, but also just the fact that, oh God, they actually get up and off their arse and they do stuff and, you know, and... I have got... It's really funny because I was thinking, I don't have one. And I thought, oh, no, I do. And it's quite an obscure one, but I do. So basically, there is... This is so tragic. Bear in mind my age. I'm 51. (laughs) This is... He is a grime artist (laughs) called Jamie, who's Skepta's brother, right? And he spells his name J-M-E. And I think he's really brilliant. And I he's beautiful. His music is great. So I always thought, oh, yeah, I liked him. And I liked him, I don't know, from two, three years ago or something. And then we had this weird thing where I discovered that my son liked him as well, but via a different route. He'd found him via YouTube and kind of people who play uh, football games on YouTube. And, he was, and he'd found Jamie this way. And I was like, he's a really brilliant grime artist. Did you know that? So we, then we bonded on the videos and we both, liked, we both liked the music. We played the music in the car. We all liked the music. And then basically I was following him on Twitter and he is, he's just too cool for school. So he has no, he follows no one on Twitter. Oh. He has zero, he follows zero people. And, but he, he has quite an interesting and unusual way of thinking. So he'll just boost things out. Like he's never watched a film because it's too long. You love him. I do love him. Yeah. He's not married and having a kid, of course, but that's fine. He's never watched a film. No, he's not interested in it because he thinks it's too... Oh, he's sorry. really No, he's really... He's, I'm he's going really off the veranda. Fun. No, he's great. He's really funny. He's completely vegan. How much do you do on date night? Well, because they, they just, you know, he's interested in music, veganism, uh, computer games... Kind of weird eco cars. Very oh my specific. God. But don't, but don't, yeah, but don't you think much. there's something a bit? I'm mean, gonna ask it. Oh, this is gonna be very controversial now. I love her, but the one thing that puts me slightly off Beyonce is the fact she follows nobody on Instagram. And in my head, there's something a little bit smug about that. Isn't but there? also, I think she's copying Jamie. <laughs> That's what I'd say. <laughs> he doesn't he even do Insta. He won't do Insta. But come on, the inferred suggestion there is it's all, about, about... it's all about me. I have no interest in anybody else. This is just about me and me showing off. It's just really, yeah. you know, how are you going to stalk him if he's not on Instagram? Well, he doesn't do Insta. He does stuff Rude. on. He just stuff on Twitter. But anyway, I don't think he's the one for you. Anyway, he, no, he definitely. And then, I think her husband might disagree. Yeah. And then. Paddy and my son, who is who, when he went to this concert, I think was eleven, with his little mate, went to um, Boy Better Know, which is the kind of uh, grime crew that Jamie is part of. They had a big uh, thing on O2 all day, right? Went along. It was the greatest day of his life, and he bloody met Jamie, got a selfie with him. I was gutted. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. When you're jealous of your kids. It was oh so God. sad. I came back and he was like, like he got videos and they obviously had, you know that thing where you see kids and they've been somewhere that's just blown their minds. It's so brilliant. His oh. eyes were like saucers. He couldn't believe how great everything was. And he showed me his phone and he got a bloody selfie with Jamie. And I was like, that's great, darling. And I had to go for a walk around, <laughs> just walk around the house. Like, I can't believe you met Jamie. I've asked for an interview for years and years and years. I and he won't be interviewed. Him. Have you ever tweeted him? Yes, I've got. A, I've had a response. Oh, that's good. I have had a response, but he won't be interviewed. Oh, oh it's so annoying. I'm just loving the sort of freaky Friday vibe of that, where yeah. you suddenly you're supposed to be the one that's impressing your kids, all the people you're interviewing and meeting, and then I suddenly know. this shift in power. Is it, is it the unattainability? That's it's a bit yeah, I think safe he's, and alluring, and yeah. Well, I yeah. think he's. I just think he's. You know what it makes me miss? It makes me miss Smash Hits. So Smash Hits was a re, you know obviously a great magazine, but you could treat certain artists in a really fun way and I think there's a whole 
kind of swathe of grime artists that you could fe- feature so brilliantly yeah. in Smash Hits that it makes me, there's something in my, you know, I can feel a twist in my stomach, like, oh man, I wish Smash Hits existed. It would be so funny. Yeah. It would be so brilliant. He would be great in Smash Hits. If he would do it. If he would do it, but like, you know, it would just be brilliant. And it's it's like, it's part of me, it's just journalism. I just want to interview him in a Smash Hits style. And it would be just so great. And, well, no doubt he's listening. I'm sure he's a big oh, yeah, fan of He's a massive fan of Don't be sarcastic. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> It's just that. It's just that. He would, he's yeah. like perfect Smash Hits fodder because he's just odd enough yeah. and interesting enough. He'd mm-hmm. just be way more shallow than that. I was going to say, come on, you, you've been a bit too quiet on this subject for my liking. I know you like it little Who perv. do you love? I have discussed it. Well, this is even worse because I think I could be his mother. But, well, literally, I, mean, I probably could yeah, be uh, He's probably about 30. It's, um, Riz Ahmed is just so oh, damn handsome. He's lovely. Oh, my I God. went up to him in the street and said, oh, I think I you're just... really great and then ran away like a yeah, really I, sad I, person. I wouldn't even be able to do that. He's oh. so See, handsome. telling people you think of them. That's a nice yeah, exactly. way. That's nice. I just, I just went up to him and said, I think you're really... What did he say? Really, he was really uh, nice. Man, but it was really embarrassing because it was one of those... It was behind the tape, the uh, tape modern. And there was no one else. It wasn't like a busy street. I just saw him and I thought, oh my God, I love you. And then went, I think you're really brilliant. I just want to say. No, I never. And then had that really embarrassing thing where you, it was actually quite an empty street, then had to walk off. <laughs> like by myself. Well, that's exactly why I never, ever want to meet him because it'll just, I'll just be an idiot. Yeah, he's um, incredibly charming. Because I, I nearly said it before as well because I saw him in a cafe and he was also yeah. having a business meeting. I thought, and I thought, I can't. I can't interrupt a business meeting, but I think, I think you're really great. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I was listening in, and you yeah. seemed very charming. Well, that and you know, similarly, my my long-standing, probably one of my first celebrity crushes that I've had since I was about twelve years old. How disgusting is this? Is um, <laughs> David Bowie. That's all right. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! So That's handsome, really same age as my dad. But hey, let's just <laughs> let's just leave that aside. Let's park that. He's looked after himself a lot better than my dad. He's yeah. looked, looked amazing till the end. But um, he. Um, I was in the same room with him and I was sort of being dragged by <gasps> one of his team and I'd come and meet you and I, and I resisted yeah. because I, it just would have ruined the fantasy and the allure and listening to all of his music forevermore if I couldn't shake that stupid thing I'd said to him that time. I yeah, 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 because so, you'd have said the wrong thing and it would have been awful. Yeah, so I've just, I've just left And it. he looked so beautiful. I was only briefly in, you know, in the same room with him on a couple of occasions but, but he had that thing where obviously he was really good looking and he was always really thin, wasn't he? Yeah. But in his later years, he had that amazing kind of, it sounds awful, but that kind of pattern of richness. You know when somebody's uh, rich, but they look they look really good looking? Yeah. There's something about that, that, you know, he's had his teeth done. He just looked really gorgeous. And he had great style. Yeah. Particularly at the end, really understated. Yeah, he looked beautiful. Oh, is, it, is it wrong to have celebrity? I was going to say, I, I think. Why do do we? you think it's a bit weird now he's dead? Um, well, it's not the same thing. Obviously not. <laughs> Are you going to go to the Brixton Shrine, which still exists? Yeah, I yeah. have done. Yeah. But um, he's, I, you know, I, I'm still not over it. Mm. No. If I'm right. honest. I'm I don't know, think the world really is. silly. But I still... Mm. The world I, went to shit when he died. He yeah. was obviously our guiding lodestar and it's just, he's got, everything's gone wrong. He, he still brings out an enormous array of emotions in me. And um, lots of people, actually. But, so, yeah. Um, so, what yeah, about not, you? Who's uh, yours? Well, yeah, you, I, can I, I just say you started and never well, told us? No, but because like, mine are really... Because I think his is a real person and he's... Just, no, he's it's not. No, my, no, no, mine aren't, no, <laughs> yeah. no, mine aren't like famous people. That's yeah, things, exactly. No, it's your next door neighbour. No, you're following them on Instagram. No, it's so not that weird. I But... No, it's, I guess it's also more about, and it, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and it's a very fine balance, I think, Instagram. It, there's, there's a sense of, 
it being a kick up the arse and motivating you. Mm. Then also you're actually going, oh God, I'm really crap because I'm not achieving, I'm not doing what they're doing. So it's a fine balance between having a crush and envying, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but I think it's perfectly healthy, really, isn't it, to have crushes? I don't think you ever grow out of it. It's what we were talking the other day. You know, this, this idea that, you know, you suddenly turn a certain age and your skin is perfect, you never get spots. Yeah, that's, that's so annoying because it's completely not no. true. So you will always get spots as an adult and you will always get crushes. They go yeah. hand in hand. Do you, I, I mean, my husband knows my crushes. Does yours know yours? Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty much. Also, I have to say, middle middle age, is a, you have to be careful about your crushes because then that is a funny era where your hormones get a bit haywire if you're a woman and you suddenly start fancying the kid's PE teacher or something. Really Which is far more like scary, that. surely, because yes. I was going to say, surely you're And also, half... you should never fancy a PE teacher. I mean, I don't, this is not me. <laughs> I don't fancy PE teachers, but you know that, that bunch of angry women at my daughter's. So that's, there's no chance. Yeah, it's, yeah, but do you know what I mean? There's like yeah, a, yeah, there's yeah. a yes that it's suddenly you know or you know a builder comes around or you see you know some hunky cyclist and stuff and you just you, because your hormones are going a bit haywire in your middle age, you suddenly. Like one day you can be like, I never want to look at anybody ever again. And the next day you think, ooh, it's chasing sexy. The, the like they're kind of running, the suddenly running yeah. down the road going, you look really hungry. <laughs> yeah. like, Who is this scary woman? Make them go away. Oh my God. <laughs> and we would just absolutely vilify men for the same thing. Yes, of course. You can't <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. You, no, can't, no, course, you, can't, yeah. you can't do anything like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. This is terrible. Well, it's, it's, all, it's all harmless. If you don't actually act in a creepy yeah. way, it's all perfectly exactly harmless. Have yeah. a, a mental little crush and love affair. Keep around to yourself. I think my Ross still harbors one for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. So, yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah, that is yeah. That's fine. Well, I, I know people have yeah. tried. I think yeah. if, you're, if you're in a relationship, surely you don't you don't you discourage the real crushes on you. You don't yeah. want them fancying the neighbour next door, but surely them fancying a Hollywood movie star, they're never going to get yeah. near. My husband that's very, very much healthy. likes uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, oh which yeah. I think that's all right. She's nice because she's cool. Yeah. Because I hate to say it, that's not a really obvious she's bombshell. Quite, she's got a bit of substance to it. She's sexy. talented. Although she turned up, I was sitting at a Mark oh, no, Jacobs. Tell me she's awful. And no, no, no. She's not awful. But I remember I was jet lagged as hell, and I was front row at the Mark Jacobs show. It was two hours late, mm. and two hours after it was supposed to start, she sauntered in, smiling and chatting. And I, I, I did have a fantasy of running up and giving her a swift yeah. slap for being so late. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, the whole show has been delayed. I, I didn't do that. No. But, so I'm a bit me and Maggie. I don't know. We've got some beef. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you didn't go up to her and tell her what you thought, did you? I, did. <laughs> I thought it very violently. Imagine if you just waited till you to her. So I like, just lined up and go, "You're late." <laughs> You're late, like an airplane. Only Anna Wintour could get away with that. No, yeah. you, you, yeah. you waited very patiently to go on a podcast so you could tell the world how you yeah. feel about Maggie. <laughs> cool, oh, Maggie. <laughs> right, so one a long more. Time ago. What are we oh. doing now? What, 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 I do not now? really know everyone in your family. Um, That's okay. I do you want to do a better. quick shout out to the reader one, Joe? Oh, okay. Um, where is she? Thank you so much for your emails to that email address that I can never remember, but it's right in front of me now. Is it just me podcast at gmail.com? And I want to thank Sarah for getting in touch and saying, is it just her? who hates fake tan. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, Sarah, I think it might be just me who still loves it. I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, because I was going to say, Joe yeah. and I, we are... I think it's safe to say, Joe, you and I are not life's natural tanners. I'm a tannerexic. I mean, yeah. I literally, yeah. I'm one of them, I go in the sun, I get burnt, and then I go pale again. So I don't bother yeah. now. I literally don't ever sit in the sun, I wear factor 50. But and then obviously. Very fake... high maintenance, yeah. though, isn't it? Fake tan. Yeah. But fake yeah. tan is, and I did go through a phase of loving it, and now I just got to a point where I just don't think it ever comes off well. No. It goes on. Me. If you could stay looking as you do after that first initial wash off, yeah. 
amazing. But, but that how patchiness... many people like Victoria Beckham, who you know, I mean, she has spoken before about like getting one every sort of like ten days or but so. You never see always, with her. Anyway. Never. She's never got that horrible, weird hands, grimy. And... But then she like quite often up. wears long. You know, she wears those kind of long sleeves, doesn't she? You don't often see any part of her body anymore. That's a good idea. Yeah. Long sleeves is the answer. Yeah. I have to say, I'm, yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, Fake Town because I grew up in an area of Cheshire, which is essentially like Essex, but up north. So it's footballers' wives' territory. So when I grew up, everybody wore, wore kind of white and had Fake Town. And I was, you know, more interested on alternative music, which meant you were black, but I still... Yeah. <laughs> it was like kind of like halfway but, but there. Mine is, I mean, this is going to sound so pathetic. It's kind of deep seated because I was looking at Sarah saying, you know, I, I just decided to just embrace my pale skin, and I, I applaud that. Mm. It's, it, it's a, a goal and an achievement that has always eluded me, and I think it comes from growing up in Sydney, where yeah. everybody was, all everybody talked about all summer was the depth of and richness of their tan. Yeah, and they're, and they're super sporty and outdoors. Yeah, and I, so I grew up being incredibly self-conscious about being really very pale and kind of getting teased about it all the time. Yeah. So, Do you think it's generational? Because I think that there's, you know, people are a bit more health-conscious, aren't they, generally? Yes. So they're a bit more like... embrace, And also they're more confident about embracing themselves, aren't they? So I do think that people totally are... Like, you know, in their 20s, they go, I'm really pale, so what? Yeah, yeah and, and, my, and I look nice in these colours, and I look My daughter's like doing that, and I'm so pleased because yeah. she's got beautiful skin, and she she is quite happy in a short skirt in a way that I yeah. would not have been at her age. Yeah. So I, I really applaud people who. They'd and be nice to us older ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to channel a bit more of Sarah's attitude because I, I, I'm trying to, because I used to be always that person, hilariously, my friends always take the piss because I get a spray tan before going on holiday. Yeah. So I would be browner at the beginning of a holiday. And it's you white at the end of it because I literally just don't tan every time. So they thought I was hilarious, but to be honest, I then got to a point where, as much as I feel grey, and it does give you confidence, I think, having a bit of a spray tan on that when you have to literally disrobe on a beach or at a pool. So it does give you an initial bit of confidence, but then I have to say, you get to the halfway through the holiday when the patchiness kicks in, and you actually then just feel a bit gross and weird. And so I'm now trying to do what Sarah's doing. I'm trying to actually embrace being pale. You know and what frankly. you should do? I mean, you know, it's obviously in a complete recommendation and you can take mine. Go on holiday with kids and there will be no sunbathing whatsoever. <laughs> and then you never have to worry. But also, in, in talking about embracing middle age, I'm just I'm just one of those mums on the beach now. No yeah. one's really looking at me yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's true. No one looks. Yeah. And also, there is a really brilliant element of living in Britain. So basically, it's not... I mean, you know, it's never really that hot, is it? And yeah. actually, the bits that you have to expose, you know, in extremis is your head mm. and possibly your arms from from, yeah. from the shoulder down and kind of knees down. That's it. That's not that much fake tan. No. Yeah. That's all right. So you can do that. You but Sarah, that. I'm going to, you know, go for it. If you hate fake tan, I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. just cooler than us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. But um, yeah, but we do love hearing from you. So if you have any other sort of suggestions for topics, please do email us at isitjustmepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Is it just me that doesn't know everyone in my family? Yeah. I mean, well, I think that's fairly commonplace, right? Well, my, my father was one of six children. Oh, wow. So already I've got yeah. more, more cousins than I can count on all my hands and toes. Yeah. So. I'm going to say, I mean, my mum... I love her and she's become something of like local folklore really because she's become slightly like the crazy family tree lady because she just has a real interest in family trees. My mum is actually quite amazing. She's a bit of an oracle. I can go to her and say, how exactly is that person my cousin again? And she'll just know. She's got it all mapped out. And now it's become such a hobby that it's actually become, she now gets 
lots of other people coming to her going, I've heard you're great at this. And it's actually really a sweet, lovely thing to do. Has she done it because she's hoping that she's like a distant royal or something like that? <laughs> she's basically, she's trying to yeah. search out that money. Yeah, Are yeah. you uh, sure you're my child? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it is lovely. And it, it's actually quite nice knowing that, should I ever want to find out, it's there for me. And I think, you know, there are things you, you sort of take for granted because, you know, I was talking to some friends the other day about, um, you know, horoscopes and, you know, your mm. rising sign and all that kind of stuff. And somebody said, uh, oh, you know, you, you need to know what time of day you were born. And I was like, oh, 3.32 on a Sunday afternoon. They were like, how do you know that? And I was going, because my mum told me. Like, some of my friends don't know what day of the week they were born on, what time they were born on. And I don't know why, maybe my mum's just one of those people. But I, I always know those little details. You know- and I kind of love the fact that my mum has always kept that now. You know, like I said, I don't, I don't find it particularly fascinating, but it's nice to know that the information is there should I need it. But, but the other thing that's interesting about that is that generally most people don't know beyond their grandparents yeah. because yeah. most people are not posh. So the thing that it's like the joy of who do you think you are, isn't yeah. it? So the joy of Danny Dyer finding that he's related, you know, he's actually related to the royals is absolutely brilliant because most of us don't know. We yeah. know our grandparents, and we forgot to ask our mum and dad, and we forgot to ask our grandparents about anything. So we only know that far, and that's kind of fine. But people who are who run the bloody country, the posh people, they know everything, and that's their legitimate. Their legitimacy is: I have born of this person, born of this person, born of this person. So I actually think it's brilliant if people know their, where they're from because it's it's kind of staking a claim in the way that most normal people aren't allowed to stake a claim because it's, it's already sewn up. It's such a British view of that subject yeah. as well because when you come from Australia there isn't really any yeah, of, course not, of, yeah, not. of that. I yeah. think there is, hilariously, my I think there is some sort of like trace back to convict mm. stock on my side but I don't know if my grandmother was making that up or not because <laughs> yeah. it was kind of cool to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to to go back that far generally, generationally in Australia. I don't know. Well, it's, it's funny how you say that I, I always um, slightly envy um, American people because they will always have a very clear breakdown. They'll say things like, oh, you know, I am part Cherokee, Welsh, Irish, yeah. English, Spanish. They'll go, I, and I, they'll know exactly what they are. And I'm like... God, I, I, it's I don't they're know. more proud of who they are. It's yeah. like, that's the American thing. They're more proud. They want to say, "I am this, this, and this, and yes. this is my identity," and that's great. They're, they're very much belief in kind of self-identification, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. My family is a bit well. It's not weird, but it's quite small. So, uh, my husband is Northern Irish. He has a big family. His family goes from Belfast to America to Yorkshire. His family is big, and my mum's a single um, chi- uh, only child, and. Her mum had a sister who had no kids. I mean, you know, it's just very, very... Her side is very small. And my dad had uh, two siblings. And so I know them as cousins. But we just don't see each other. Do you know what I mean? So my family is always essentially me, my mum, my dad, my brother. And it was my granny. And that's like it. So I'm always really amazed. And so there is part of me that's slightly jealous. It's like, oh, you've got loads of cousins. Or well, it's not that you know? You know, there's the odd sort of big elven barbecue mm. back home. Particularly my mother's fond of organising those when my husband and I go. And that's when it is a little bit like the royal family when you look at, you say, if you look at like, you look at a big picture of like everybody on the balcony at Buckingham Palace and there'll be an Armstrong Jones yeah. that you've never heard of <laughs> yeah. and you've never seen before. And you said, so you Google it. Oh, okay. So, and you forget how many bloody people there are in that family. Mm. There are people, there are cousins and I intellectually, I know they're my cousin, but I've never had a conversation with them. Yeah. Mm. And so, and there's a Facebook group at the moment, but a couple of my cousins have done this thing. They want to organize a big elven outing in Sydney to the football. 
And it's like people I've never heard of in my life going, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, and mm. I'm like, I don't know. Who are you? Yeah. It's like, I do love yeah. that thing. Often I, on the phone to my mum and she calls me at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. And you know, I know you have sympathised. Uh, <laughs> and she'll just start talking at me about people. And, you know, and I'm going, I literally have yeah. no clue who... But I put up with it and I nod and I say, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I've got no clue she's talking about. Yeah. But it's like, they might as well be like people from the archers. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's like a fictitious... <laughs> That's relevant, that? People you've never seen before in your life yeah. and you're going, oh, I remember when you were this high. But, like, who the hell but are then you? Also, I don't know if this is a very Welsh thing, but also my family are terrible for... Uh, and I, this might be a Welsh thing, but you know, we would just call friends of my parents who were yeah. of a certain age, auntie and uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, I, and then their children became our cousins. And I remember once telling one of those people, because I found out because I was a bit older that we weren't actually blood-related. They were devastated because they genuinely thought we were blood-related. Yeah. So well, I don't know if that's a Welsh thing or that's a... Well. I find that my kids claim other kids sometimes. So that if we have... You know what I mean? So like we have friends and they're just... They're old friends. And if they're out of London in particular, they'll go, oh, that's my godbrother. Oh. And that's my godsister. That's absolutely oh, gorgeous. That's my, yeah. And they, because they want... They kind of yeah. want it. Yeah. And, you know, we... It's funny. I think what's really interesting, quite weird, is how families carry on with the same things without even realising it. So generally on my mum's side of things, um, uh, the women have their kids late and they don't have very many. <laughs> so basically our family is really, really small. And uh, my kids don't have any direct cousins on my side because my brother's gay, he doesn't have any kids. So it's like, it's just, our family is small and they're desperate. I feel so sorry for my kids. They're desperate for more. Aww. So luckily they've got kind of an older um, uh half brother half sister and they've got kids and then and then my husband's got loads of kind of family so they've got it on that side but i find it so much that we go out and they go are, are they my cousins and we're like oh, oh. see I have, I, I have this only child who's perfectly 100 percent a-okay with being yeah. an only child it, 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 when she was younger you say would you like a brother or sister no yeah they can, they, can, they can go things like no i want a puppy yeah i've got a pretty sweet deal here yeah. i don't want anyone else in this room also yeah. when, when it comes to your time and i say this as somebody who's had to grow up and now actually host christmas it yeah. makes it a lot simpler if you can get yeah. eight people on a table you don't want any more than eight people yeah we only had us at christmas i tell you can i just have my top tip for christmas for everybody? yeah right, okay you just basically say we don't want anyone else so it's you and <laughs> no but you literally this is what i mean about saying to people just be direct just say Okay, we're going to see you on Boxing Day, but not on Christmas Day. It's just us. So it's just me, my husband, and the two kids. And you ask the kids what they want to eat. Because they never want to eat turkey. Exactly. <laughs> they never want to eat turkey. I so never last want to year, eat turkey. I don't know about who you. Want, nobody does. So yeah. last year they said steak and chips. We oh, had wow. steak and chips. And this year they said chicken curry. So we made chicken wow. curry the day before. And then literally you heat it up. And that takes out like three or four hours of stress. What so a you Christmas get miracle. Up, you open the presents, you have a you you know, you have pancakes or whatever, you have a bit of a laugh, then you have the lunch, which everybody wants to eat. Yeah. And so you don't feel rejected because they're only eating one roast potato. And then you do what you want. You know, go for a walk if you want, watch Doctor Who if you want, it's fine. See, you you know, you wrote that book because you felt all out of sorts, but you've got your life sorted. Yeah. And then my Christmas is sorted yeah. now. I'm like, yes. Yeah. That's, that's the next book, Christmas Sus. Yes, Christmas yeah. Sus, yeah, just never do a turkey again. <laughs> Miranda, thank you for joining us this oh, it's week. Very nice. It's very nice for you to come oh, to my kitchen. We've loved being here. And I've loved having my leg licked. <laughs> so, so, that was me, wasn't yeah. it? I'll so leave sorry. it up to you to, to guess who it was. Was it me? Was it yeah. Miranda? Yeah. <laughs> Such gingham trousers are such a turn on. It was the dog. And also I covered my legs in steak. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much, Miranda Sawyer. And see you next time on Is It Just Me? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.